And I think that's what really drives me, especially working with independent artists and upcoming artists. My name is Will Small. I use poetry to capture snapshots of what it means to be human. There's no better inspiration for this than real life humans in their natural habitat. So I've been having conversations with all kinds of beautiful, passionate, interesting humans who all call the Central Coast home. From uni students to business owners, artists to activists, young and old. In each of these conversations, a poem is hiding. I'm going to find it and write it. And I'm inviting you to come along for the ride and hear the conversations that spark my creative process. Stick around till the end and you'll get to hear the poem. This podcast has been proudly supported by the Central Coast Council. Join me as I dive into the untold stories of coastal citizens and seek to capture them in an original piece of spoken word poetry. <laughs> Lou, so good to be here this morning with you. Thank you for inviting me into your environment. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Thank you for wanting to come. <laughs> it's my pleasure. You are an interesting human being. And I feel very privileged to be uh, to know you and to consider you a friend. So thanks for letting me share a little bit of who you are with other people. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. How about you tell me and anyone listening uh, a little bit of the backstory of Lou? Particularly, you know, you live and are very passionate about the Central Coast. And every time I've heard you speak about the coast, you speak of it with a sense of connection and pride and, and love for this place. How did you end up here and, and what's a little bit of the story of yeah who you are and how you got here? Okay, well, I, um, I actually moved here for my ex-partner about, I think I worked out recently, it was about 15 years ago. And then I realised that's the longest I've ever lived in one place, which is a long time. Yeah. Um, so I met him when we were both living in Newcastle. We were studying in Newcastle. And then when we finished studying, we uh, spent two years in a van, in a combi, driving around the country and exploring the country, which was amazing and beautiful and the most fun, loving, adventurous time of my life. Mm -hmm. And then we um, moved here to the Central Coast. Uh, he wanted to go back to study in Newcastle and I was working as a graphic designer and there was just no work in Newcastle. So we we moved to the Central Coast uh, to be sort of halfway and I commuted to Sydney mm -hmm. for work. And he grew up here, so his family was here and friends were here. And so, yeah, I kind of moved here uh, with him. And then when we separated, um, I just kind of stayed. I had thought about moving to Sydney and I had actually looked at a – a place in Bondi because I knew I needed to be near the beach. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of my friends here on the Central Coast, she was pregnant and her husband was studying at the police academy. Right. And so he had to go back to work. So I kind of stayed to help her a little bit and just kind of found – that was when I found my place on the Central Coast. So prior to that, I sort of hadn't really found my community and my connection and it kind of always felt a little bit temporary. Um, and then I – decided to just stay here and put down the roots and made a whole lot of new friends. I actually started drumming classes at the Rhythm Hut. So that was my first connection to the Rhythm Hut. And it was just like my whole world opened up. I found a whole lot of people that were sort of much more similar to me into art and music and community and friendship and that sort of solid, almost family base. Mm. Um, and then that was it. I just felt 
that was home. And that was about nine years ago, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I've stayed here ever since and I just love it. It just – it feels like home and – yeah. It feels like this is where I'm meant to be and I don't imagine living anywhere else. Um, I do love that we're close to Sydney. You know, I'm obviously very into art and live music. So it just feels like it's a short trip down the road to to go to Sydney. But I get to come home and be close to the beach and close to like community and friends and, um, you know, close to beautiful beaches that are not crowded and the bush and it's amazing. I can so relate to that story. I haven't been here as long as you, but I've been here for about five and a half years, moving from somewhere else and just feeling like I never want to go anywhere else, really. Like, yeah. And that's sort of odd for me. Like, I, I feel like in my personality type, I do want to live in every place and try everything, but I also feel a deep sense of settledness here yeah. and uh, happy to go and visit every other place in the world but I'd be quite satisfied if I ended up living here until the day I die really like yeah. this was where I was based so can relate to that yeah. I have these memories of like the first few months you know I remember because um, I moved up here for to work as a youth worker and I had never been really I'd visited like once on a weekend before but my first day working here was basically my second day living here <laughs> moved moved here and and sort of was staying with some other people until I sorted out accommodation. So I just drove up one day, slept that night, and then went to my new job the next yeah, day. Wow. And I remember driving and it was, you know, every like six or seven years, the uh, the cicadas get really loud. Yeah. So it's a weird thing. They kind of have some strange cycle. And I just remember driving um, maybe on Tumby Road and like window down, cranking cicadas, lush greenery. And just having a moment of like, this is a totally new place and I love it. Yeah. If somebody was visiting, a family member or a friend for the weekend. Yep. And uh, you were out of town. But they called you up and they said, Lou, where should I go? Where should I go eat? Where should I go and look? Okay. What should I go and do? Yeah. What, what would be some of the spots that you'd recommend? Um, I recommend uh, Sunrise at Terrigal Beach is always really nice if you mm-hmm. can get up early and and go to that. Um, I go to dawn service every more every year for Anzac Day at, at Terrigal Beach and that is just breathtaking, that sunrise. And I do try and get up for sunrise some other times but not very often. Sure. <laughs> um, sunsets at Long Jetty are in, insane. They're so beautiful yes. and, you know, if the sky happens to be a bit cloudy, it's even better because you mm. get some of those really red, pink skies. Um, even sunset at Gosford Waterfront is really nice. Um, as I mentioned, Bambara, um, the national park there, if you can manage to find your way, it's a little bit hard if you don't know where you're going. It's, there's no sort of signposts or markings, but if you can manage to look up or find someone to take you to the grandmother tree there, um, and the hieroglyphs, do you know about the you got, you got to show me sometime. I have to go yeah, on Yeah, I'll take you there. Yeah. Um, the hieroglyphs that carry on are just this kind of mystery of how these hieroglyphs got there um but it's actually just the bushwalk itself is really amazing um and then the rocks on top of the hieroglyphs if you can climb up to the top there's a really beautiful lookout over the bush and um brisbane water and there's some great try not to go for sunset because you really should get out of the bush before sunset but sort of that golden hour of Mm. late afternoon before sunset um is really beautiful and then to eat um 
Long Jetty is like a really cool little spot these days. It's like the new town of so the good. Central Coast. There's record stores and cafes and and vintage stores. Um, so Modern Organic at Long Jetty is probably my favourite cafe. Mm-hmm. And they've got a really beautiful garden out the back and on a nice sunny day it's lovely. And they have great food, great people. They usually have a few little toys for the kids. They do, Which is yep. something I look for these days. So yep. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and Kurt and Kieran who run it are really beautiful, mm. just down-to-earth people. They have a yoga studio there. Um, Bamboo Buddha at Holgate is really lovely. Nice little garden set up there. Um, and otherwise sort of coffee on the beach at Terrigal. I usually just get a takeaway coffee in my keep cup <laughs> and go for a walk. And, you know, if you've got a friend with a dog, it's a perfect mm. place to walk and take them to the, uh, the haven, to the dog park. And yeah, yeah, so good. Well, sounds like your friend who called you up is going to have a great day. <laughs> I hope Hopefully so. they called you the night before so they can <laughs> yep, catch the sunrise so at Terrigal and finish with the sunset at sunset, Long Jetty and yep. go to those other places in between. Well, um, obviously who you are has become connected to this place, which is awesome. I think, um, you know, there's a benefit in that to you. I also think there's a benefit to the Central Coast. I think you're just one of those people that is um, part of what makes this place great. Uh, I'd love to just spend some time getting to know a little bit about what makes you tick and what kind of things, you know, uh, are kind of at the heart of you. So I guess my question is, when you think about what would keep you awake at night, or what would get you out of bed in the morning? Mm-hmm. Those thoughts that just bring you al- alive yep. and you can't get out of your head. What are those things? Like what are you trying to sort of do with your I'm your sorry. life in the world? The things that I'm passionate about, I'm obviously passionate about the arts and mm-hmm. music. Um, and I think that's what really drives me, especially working with independent artists and upcoming artists because I think that those are the people that really need a little bit of a – a helping hand and a, a bit of a push um, in their careers. Mm-hmm. So I think um, for me, it's almost like my goal is to help them with their goals, mm. I guess. You started this this business, Nala mm-hmm. Music Management, uh, end of last year. Yep. Um, what did that come from? What was the seed for that? Um, so I guess I'd been working as an artist manager for a few years, but I sort of set up my own business last year, uh, the end of last year, just to make it a little bit more official, I guess. Um, and I had also begun working with a number of new artists. Uh, I work with all independent artists at this stage. Um, I guess as an artist manager, I, I have a little bit of a different background. I come from sort of a, I guess, more marketing background um, rather than musical background. So... I really, I guess I don't focus so much on their musical development. I leave that to them. I can help guide them with Mm -hmm. mentors or other artists to work with. Uh, But more, I guess, like career development, working out goals of what they would like to achieve um, and how we'll get to those achievements together. Uh, I sort of only work with artists that I really believe in and have quite a strong relationship with. Uh, I am passionate about their music and their, I guess, their path. Mm. Um, I do get requests every week of people mm-hmm. to work to asking me to work with them, and unfortunately, I'm just one person and I can't work yeah. with everyone. Even though there are definitely some artists that I would love to work with, and I just don't have the time at the moment. Hopefully, one day my roster can expand and I'll have mm-hmm. some employees, but we'll see. Um, 
But I guess, yeah, you know, each artist has a different goal of what they want to achieve. Sometimes it's as much as just, you know, playing some festivals and getting out there in front of other people, uh, in front of more people rather. Um, sometimes it's getting to, you know, to the point where they're recording an album and getting ready to release and, mm-hmm. and tour that and spread the music and spread their word. Um, and other times it's, you know, it might be a little bit bigger. So some of the sort of mid-range careers just to build those and, you know, get some um, publishing deals and some mm-hmm. sort of larger shows and larger tours happening and some grants and, and that sort of thing. So each artist is a little bit different and it's kind of nice to have that special relationship and build that relationship with each different artist. But yeah, it's kind of satisfying when we kick one of those goals together Yeah, and it feels like you're working as a team and, you know, they're producing the goods and I'm just helping get that out to the right people and that mm. that can be really satisfying, almost like, yeah, almost like a little achievement each time you do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the, the zoomed in lens of um, your day-to-day um, probably main working within the music industry. Yeah. But if we were to zoom the lens out a little bit more, I, I've heard you speak passionately about the music industry in a range of different ways, you mm-hmm. know, sort of, uh, I know you're passionate about um, mental health issues that artists may face in the yep. music industry. I know you're passionate about more women uh, yep. <laughs> having opportunity, being on stage more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the sort of inequality there is just not okay. Yep. Um, so ha- why don't you talk to us a little bit about, you know, I think that's sort of the stuff that really does drive you in terms of there's the particular artists you work with, mm-hmm. but you probably also have a bit of a, a, a heart for how the music industry and arts and culture in Australia could look better yep. in the future. Why don't you share a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, I think these issues are becoming much more, uh, the music industry has become much more aware of those two particular issues of, of mental health and well-being and women in music. And yeah, I am really strongly passionate about those. Um, I've actually mm. just started working with one of my artists working with the booking agency and they their policy is to always make sure there's a female on stage. So if the male is the um, main act, they their policy is to have a female support, which I find is amazing. And mm. when you know when I spoke with them about that, that just aligned with my beliefs so strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, it would be great to have more females as the the main act as well, and and for festivals and um, you know we're getting there. Um, I think like it has been such a male dominated industry for so long and it's not that there's not many females out there I think sometimes they're a bit intimidated but just giving females and you know all sort of I guess minority groups whether Mm. it's um, female or gender fluid or or non-binary or indigenous artists just Mm. having their um, their status elevated to be a little bit more on par Um, and and mental health and well-being you know, it's so hard as an artist to make a living out of what you are passionate about. And it's, you know, it's just as a, um, you know, it can be just as an established career as, say, an accountant or a, you know, lawyer or, you know, whatever, doctor or nurse or just a, you know, regular career. There's no mm. reason why artists shouldn't be allowed to make a living out of that. And so I'm pretty passionate, I guess, about helping people to be able to do that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview. We're going to get back into it in just a tick, but I wanted to take a moment to invite you to be a part of the process of creating this work. Podcasts are free to listen to, but they aren't free to create. 
I would love to keep interviewing interesting humans and writing poems about them, but I could use your help to make it happen. If you're digging the Poetic Beings podcast, I want to invite you to consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash willsmall. For as little as $1 a month, you'll receive exclusive unpublished poetry written by me sent straight to your inbox. At higher levels of giving, uh, rewards include things like contributing interview questions or having my next book posted to you with a handwritten note or even getting your own poem written by yours truly. I so appreciate your support. If you want to check out my other creative work, you can go to willsmall.com.au or I run a small creative business called Lead by Story, helping people to nail their message and make every word count. If that's of interest, you can head to leadbystory.com.au. And yeah, and, and I guess like as, as an artist, artists are, are generally a little bit more susceptible to some health issues, whether it's mm-hmm. mental and physical health. As far as, you know, the work can never end. You can be doing your admin and marketing sort of side and then trying to create at the same time. And then, you know, you can be on the road touring and having late nights and long days traveling and little rest and you know you're not in your own home you're not surrounded by your family and friends and support network or you know not always having accessible healthy nutritious food so a lot of that can really um really be a factor in in poor health and well-being and it's it's something that i think um we need to be aware of and and to help artists understand how to look after themselves and and how to have that balance in life of for sure work and rest and play and family and friends and you know all that yeah. sort of stuff can be tricky eh? i um i love how you said at the beginning you know of of some of that that you you see your role as helping others to achieve their dreams yeah. um which i think is just a beautiful thing you know people whose whose job whose kind of role whose calling in the world is about helping others to flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think when you were just talking about some of those challenges that artists face, I'm pretty sure you're not a stranger to <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> some of those demands of, of, of the music industry and the creative arts and culture and community and how much that can just take over your life. Uh-huh. Um, so it sounds like you want to help others recapture a bit of healthy balance and take care of themselves. Have you found things that are really helpful for you in doing that? So that you're not just, again, helping others to succeed in that at yep. the cost of yourself? Yes, yes, I have. Um, and I've definitely, the last few months, have definitely, uh, I guess, found more of that balance. Um, for me, being able to work from home has been really good. It's mm. been, I feel like I'm really productive, I'm comfortable. Um, I've got my cat for company every day. <laughs> she loves it. Um, and I think getting out in nature, sometimes I just have had the worst day or it's been hectic and my brain is buzzing or I haven't left my computer. Mm. Um, just going for a beach walk is mm-hmm. definitely a good balance for me. It definitely grounds me. Um, exercise helps. I go to the gym, lift heavy things, <laughs> and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. exert some of that energy. Um, and being around, being around friends, you know, having that connection to to people that are good for you and knowing who those people are that's really important knowing the right people that have your back and that when you're sort of in a hectic place or your you know brain is a bit mush or you've 
had a rough time just knowing which are the right people that will lift you up, which are the right people that you can talk to. Mm. Um, and then meditation obviously helps a lot and it's scientifically proven to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and journaling, I, I write in a journal awesome. and that definitely helps. Just It doesn't even matter if it makes sense because no one's going to read it and often you don't even go over and read it yourself. Yeah. Um, so just getting it out there can just be really cathartic sometimes. 100%. I'm all about that. I am constantly talking to people about um, Julia Cameron, you know, The Artist's Way. Have you read that? No. Oh, you got to read this. Yeah. So uh, I love when people tell me books to read. Um, Julia Cameron is a, is a writer mm-hmm. um, who recommends two kind of creative practices mm-hmm. to everyone. She says they're not just for writers, they're for accountants, they're for uh, people in any field. And her two kind of practices are uh, The Morning Pages – which is write three pages when you wake up every morning, never look at them again. They're, uh-huh. not, they're not a creative piece of work. It's just a brain dump. Yep. So some form of journaling essentially. Yep. And then the artist date, which mm-hmm. is once a week, schedule time every week mm-hmm. to go and take yourself out into nature or go have a coffee or whatever. So there's this daily ah. practice of brain dump yep. and then this weekly practice of self-nourishment. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, but you, yeah, you definitely, oh, I'll, I feel I'll like send you a link that. to her book. Yeah, cool. You're already doing it, but it just affirm it. <laughs> oh, that's good. The other thing I've started uh, back recently is I've, um, uh, I do pottery. So I yeah, take cool. myself off to the Central Coast Potter Society, go to the studio and work there. And wow, what a lesson in mindfulness. Mm. You know, I spend two hours there and I actually just, literally don't think of anything else except what I'm creating and it's just wow. something so beautiful and grounding of getting your hands in clay which comes from the earth and creating something mm. and you know it can be sometimes scary because you spend weeks creating something and then it can come out terribly or it can it can break I've got cracked pieces everywhere um but also extremely fulfilling but it's the process it doesn't even matter what comes out at the end is you know spending that time by myself doing Mm. that and literally not thinking about anything else at the time of except what I'm creating yeah that's awesome that's such a such a good picture Mm -hmm. being present fingers in the clay yeah making something beautiful yeah yeah it's awesome um people kind of struggle to answer this question but And I feel like for every person I interview, I sort of feel like I could have 100 answers just yeah. knowing them a bit. But um, what what's something that you would consider like your proudest achievement or one of your uh-huh. proudest achievements? That's, it is a hard question. Um, hard for Australians to answer. Hard to talk about ourselves Yeah, positively. you know, actually I kind of thought about this in the last couple of days after you sent um, these questions to me. And I don't think it's actually – a goal that I've achieved mm-hmm. career-wise. I think it's just my proudest achievement is just finding my happiness in life. You know, yeah. I've sort of spent time, you know, I'm, I was the general manager at the Rhythm Hut for six years and I spent a lot of time helping community and building that up and it was extremely satisfying and I have kick some career goals with some of my artists. So I kind of feel like I have sort of achieved those goals and now I'm just really happy with where I'm sitting in life, that I'm working in music and working for myself and I'm doing what I enjoy and I 
sort of have a bit more balance in my life and I can say yes or no to things mm. um, at whatever I choose and my own discretion and I feel like just finding that happiness mm. is, has been my biggest goal because sometimes people people can work in a career or work in the same job every day for 10 years or 20 years or whatever and sort of grind away but I just think like finding that balance of of what drives me and what mm. makes me tick is uh, is a pretty good achievement actually. I think that's awesome. I think that there's always a bigger goal. Uh-huh. There's always a bigger show. Exactly. There's always a bigger um, career yeah. thing. But you just find that um, even with the biggest ones you've achieved so far, like they, you sort of get on the other side of them and – they actually – there's a bit of salt water going yeah. on there, right? And I'm not saying those things aren't great. I'm not saying it's not awesome to kick a big goal, but I think what you're saying is actually really wise because the biggest achievement is learning to be settled uh-huh. and content where you are, whether there's still amazing goals to come yep. or they're kind of in the rear view just to sit in that place of I know who I am, yep. I know what I'm doing, and I'm in the moment. Like yep. that's massive. I think like there's – I mean it's not to say that I don't have goals and I'm not working really hard for them but I just – I feel satisfied. Like if mm. I was to die in a car crash today, like I think I would be looking I hope you down die. from heaven yeah. <laughs> and be like happy with my life. Like yeah, that's cool. Like I've had a good yeah. life. I've, I feel happy. I feel satisfied and, and I think that's important. I mean there's that saying that, um, you know, no one is ever going to regret not working more, but you'll regret not enjoying the little things in life and the yeah. sunsets and 100%. the time with friends. So I try and remember that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Lou. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, um, you know, I think it, I love asking people. I think people don't become great people without having been through some significant difficulty. Uh-huh. Um, so for you, what's something yeah, really difficult that you've had to walk through that has shaped who you are today, this beautiful, happy, content <laughs> person, still a person in progress, but what's something you look back on that's like really shaped you that was pretty rough? Um, you know, I, it's funny because I've kind of feel like I've been very lucky in life that I've had a pretty easy life, um, which means that when, you know, it's, it's in a way it's really good, but then in a way it's harder because when you do face the tough times, you almost don't know how to handle them. Mm. And, um, it's a little bit sometimes when that happens, especially as as an adult. Like if you're going through trauma as an adult, um, it can be a real shock because mm. you don't really know how to get through. Um, but uh, probably about 18 months ago, um, one of the artists I work with, he also happens to be like, probably my best mate, he went through a really hard time. So it was actually his his journey that I sort of helped him through. Mm. Um, he went through a pretty tough sort of mental health downward spiral, mm-hmm. um, which was, yeah, it impacted my life quite a lot because we were working together and, um, and yeah, that was a hard time. And I think seeing not only hard um, sort of – because it impacted my life and my sort of career without sounding selfish, but to also see someone that you love and care for going through such a hard time and trying to help them as much as possible. But, you know, like you can't 
go through that journey for them. You can only support them. Um, I think that was something that was really hard mm. to go through, um, but obviously much harder for him. <laughs> um, and he's doing really well now. So I think we both came out of it sort of almost better in the end. You know, like I, it taught me a lot. It taught me how to help someone going through that and how to be sympathetic to their needs mm. and be understanding. Um, and, you know, he obviously learned how to get through that and, and what he needs in his life and how to um, help himself so he doesn't go through that again. Um, and I guess I sort of learned, yeah, a few of the factors in the lead up to that that may have attributed to that and and how I can see those signs, those warning signs a bit earlier yeah. um, for people that I care about and that I love and that, you know, mean something to me. Um so yeah, that was kind of it. Um, yeah. We're doing well now. He, he's he's yep. going well, and I'm really proud of him. And musically, getting back on track. And yeah, it was it's pretty amazing. You know, there was a time where he he was so musical and so everything. His whole life was about mm. music. And then when he was going through this, he wouldn't even touch an instrument. He thought he was never going to play an instrument again. Wow. He just couldn't even imagine. He he wasn't really afraid to get up on stage. It wasn't that. It was just he had no interest and he just didn't care about anything and he didn't want to, mm. you know, go through that. Um, and, yeah, and to think that, you know, we were both terrified. I was terrified. I was like, wow, you're such a great artist. I, I don't want you to not mm. ever play an instrument again. He was using his cajon as like a – shelf and just storing things on it and he mm. refused to pick up a guitar and he didn't even want to listen to music he just couldn't go through anything mm. um so yeah going through that and and coming out on the other end i think was a, a pretty pretty good thing to get through yeah that's huge you know i think yeah. as well like you were sharing that it's sort of somebody else's suffering is what you learnt out of and i think like there's just a truth in the fact that suffering is a teacher mm -hmm. and whether it's our own mm -hmm. or whether we are in close proximity to it, mm -hmm. if, if we allow ourselves to, we could, that's a, a powerful place to learn, yeah. to learn to be more empathetic, to learn to see the world with more open eyes. Yeah. Um, so I think it's totally valid. Yeah. Um, I think wherever that's happening around us or within us, like pay attention. What can we, what can yeah. we learn? Yeah. And, and, you know, in a way I think I carried his pain and his suffering probably a little bit too much. I did learn from that. Um, sure. But, you know, like I cared about him so much. And he actually moved into my place for a couple of months and I sort of worked from home so I could be here and, and look after him and take him to the doctors and and take him for a coffee on the beach and those things that he needed. Um, and But I was with him pretty much 24-7 for a couple of months. And, um, you know, I probably, looking back, wouldn't really change that because I just cared so much. But... Um, you do learn that you've got to like also protect yourself and because mm. it was exhausting. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I was very lucky that I had other friends come over and, and hang out with him for a bit so I could have a break and, and that was sure. nice. But um, yeah, it, yeah, it taught me a lot of lessons in that time. You sound like a pretty great friend, I've got to say. Uh, well, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, two more questions. Uh, so second last question. Um, you know, I think a fair few people know you in some some regard. Mm -hmm. um, what's a part of your story or who you are that people would be surprised to hear? People are always surprised to hear that I'm an introvert, actually. 
Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> <Are you? laughs> um, yeah, I'm an INFJ actually. Um, and I think maybe, well, I'm probably pretty mixed and I'm, I'm definitely probably more mixed than I was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, you know, be around a lot of people and I can be in a crowd at a festival or at a show and work with a lot of people and I can get up on stage in front of hundreds of people and talk no problems. But when I come home, like my home is my sanctuary and mm. that's it. Like people think you work in the music industry and you party a lot. Um, I also don't drink. Well, very rarely drink. I might mm. have maybe one drink a month or so. Um, but I think, well, first I don't really need to drink. I can go and party all night without drinking. Uh, drinking just makes me fall asleep. Um, but my home is my sanctuary. So whenever I have run a show with like a few hundred people, I just love to come home, close my door, get into bed, have a shower, you know, do all those chill out things yeah. Um, and, yeah, and have some quiet time and I don't go and, you know, party all night or go to nightclubs or anything like that. Um, and after, you know, I love working at festivals and being on the road and doing road trips and going on tour. I actually do love all that because it's exciting and you get to mm. see different cities and meet different people, but it is so nice to come home. <laughs> it's so sure. nice just to, like have your own time at home. So people are always surprised when they hear that I'm an introvert. Well, it sounds like you're a very generous time. introvert. I think introverts yeah. that give themselves to extroverted careers or, yep. you know, those sort of spaces, um, that is a giving of your energy, uh-huh. probably more so than it is like I'm an extrovert. So all of that stuff just fills me up. Yep. Um, and I think over time, particularly with kids, I've learned more and more to appreciate the you're moments quiet. I get to myself. <laughs> I think there's a spectrum there that we all kind of can shift along, but yeah, definitely. Um, but I recognise that to be to to sort of self acknowledge that you're an introvert and yet to be someone who gives yourself so much to others is a very generous giving way of life. So oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, last question, Lou. Uh, what is one kind of key lesson lesson that you've learned along the way in your journey? Uh, that you think others could benefit from hearing. You know, your one little piece of wisdom, somebody's mm-hmm. listening to this now, mm-hmm. um, you only had one thing you could share with that person, what would it be? Oh, just believe in yourself. I just, I remember when I was probably about 20 years old and one of my friends just said to me, how are you so confident? And at the time it didn't really occur to me. I was just like, I don't know, I just do what I want. I don't really care what other people think or, you know, and I think – you know, it's probably a little bit easier when you're younger to do that. And as you get a bit older, self-doubts creep in and all those sorts of things. And then it's much harder to maintain that level of um, belief in yourself. And Mm. so I just think like if I could go back 10 years, I would try and just keep building that up. Because while I'm okay now, there's definitely been times where I have those self-doubts of like, am I good enough? I don't know enough about this or I don't know what I'm doing, but having that level of confidence, not only to help you get through, mm. um, but to help you feel strong as well. I think just, you know, keep, just keep backing yourself, keep believing in yourself. You can get that from other people who, you know, tell you that you're doing a great job and all of that stuff, but it doesn't really do anything if it's falling on deaf ears. You've really got to back yourself that way. Mm. And I think, um, you know, humans are great, great creatures like we are all doing amazing things you can do anything that you put your mind to um and just keep to keep reinforcing that idea to yourself like the power of the mind is so strong Mm. that if you really believe that you can do something you can do it 
you know, and the same with the negative thoughts. If you keep those negative thoughts in your in your head of saying that you're not good enough or you can't achieve something, then of course it's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. having that self belief and having that confidence in yourself that you know you can do this or you're on the right path and setting those goals and just keeping that in mind each day, I think is a really powerful thing. Yeah, huge. We we live out of our internal stories mm-hmm. which can be scary but we have the power to change them exactly yeah the uh, ability to rewrite the narratives in our head oh so, that's really well said well it was well said by you as well <laughs> um awesome lou thank you so much for your time it's been great to sit here uh at your kitchen table and have this conversation with you <laughs> thank and you. i now get the joy of going and trying to capture a little snapshot of who you are in the form of a poem oh, I'm so, so i'm so looking flattered. forward to doing that and um and sharing this with heaps of people when it's done but thank you thank you so much my friend lou she has music in the blood music in her bones music in the memories that hang upon her clothes she knows music is a gift the kind that can heal but it can come at a cost often concealed in the midst of strummed strings, struck drums, caressed keys, we sometimes forget there is a human behind these. And those that give us music give themselves at the same time. Leaving nothing behind, they put it all on the line. And my friend Lou doesn't just care about music, she cares for the one who makes it. It is not just a question of whether the guitar is in tune when there are hidden demons that lurk in these rooms. She draws out the artist behind the artwork uses what's hers to build others, that's how her heart works. And in the process, she has been learning to take care of herself. We give what we have, burnout or health. So she walks life-giving trails, bare toes on the sand, or sits at pottery wheel, clay in her hands. She is as mindful in the moment as she has ever been. She is the kind of person who is not often seen. And yet this place where we live is shaped by people like her. It's hard to put into a poem what someone like Lou is worth. The kind of person who helps make a place what it is. Her fingerprints rest all over this place where we live. So next time you see her walking nearby, why don't you take a moment, stop and say hi? Because Lou has music in the blood, music in her bones. Music in the memories that hang upon her clothes. She knows music is a gift, the kind that can heal, but it can come at a cost, often concealed. And so, as Lou takes care of those behind the music, how about we take care of people like Lou so we don't lose it?